Welcome to FFC Top 3, a show where we, your FFC hosts, count things down from 3 to number 1. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have a suggestion for a topic for Top 3, be sure to drop us a note pretty much anywhere you can find us. On Twitter, in our Discord, or even email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com. This week, we have our good friend Trekkie on, from all the way on the sunny side of the the area. I don't know. I'm going to ramble a little bit. He's from California, everybody. We're going to talk about our top three RPGs. And this one, I have a feeling, is going to have some familiar topics come up, at least with Blue. Maybe he'll surprise me. I don't know. We'll find out. So the way we're going to run this trek... Tech, Trek, Trekion. I'm going to call you Techion at some point. I swear it's going to happen. Techion. You, you, you can just use my display name on Twitter. It's Rindle Z. Rindle. You know, yeah. you can find me that way. That works. It works out, works out for me, a fellow RPGer on the Twitters. So we're going to have Blue go first. You will go second. I will follow it up at the end, starting with our number three. Blue, you are up. Uh, Star Wars D6 is my number three. Hmm. I, I what mean, about it? Like, why? Uh, it's an amazing system. Uh, they did... It's it's old, uh, so it would be in what is now referred to as the Legends Expanded Universe. Uh, or at least the, the D... I think the D20, they've, they've made the hop on <clears throat> towards the new Expanded Universe. I would assume they mm-hmm. have. Uh, but the D6 was, like, way... Uh, probably 90s, I want to say. Um... So yeah, but it was it's a it's a tabletop, um, and it was just one of the things where if you had a a really good understanding of the expanded universe, you could do some really cool things. And it was uh, okay. as with most tabletops, you know, it was more more about memories than actually any particular piece of it. Um, but the system itself was was pretty solid. Uh, D six systems tend to be pretty timeless, like they they're not super complex because it's basically hey just add another die to the roll like it's not like d20 where you you have everything centralized around um a single dice and so you have modifiers d6 titles mm-hmm. and d8 titles actually and actually i want to say d4 i never really played d4 but d6 and d8 um they they kind of are just much more bare bones as far as like that logic goes uh, which means you do it, which means you can spend a lot more energy like thinking up cool stories or thinking up like crazy shenanigans for it um but yeah uh it was just yeah it just uh, i've always had excellent memories from that game it was one of the first tabletops that i really got into outside of uh my gateway game which was d d um it was one of the first ones that we got into outside of that. That was a pseudo mainstream title. Uh, the other ones, right. well, I'll talk about them in a minute. But nice. So you went old school pen and paper. Oh yeah, RPG all on your of number mine, three. All of mine are, are <clears throat> yeah, oh, all of them see? are tabletop. Chats ah. all, chats all like, wait, it's going to be Skyrim. Skyrim. No, I mean, so it's here's Skyrim yeah, here's the three thing. Different consoles. Here's the thing. RPGs is like it's a vast genre, right? It, it's it, it is. definitely like you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some corners of the internet, they refer to Destiny <clears throat> as an RPG. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I disagree, but it, it it depends on how you play it. It depends on how you you interact with the medium. Uh, Halo, I mean, can be an RPG in some weird ways, uh, especially as like they've gotten into further things with like the the forge mode and all that stuff. But like, you know, R- when you say RPG to me, I default to tabletop uh, because RPG to me is uh, freeform theater. And and so, as much as I enjoy playing the video games, um, they they will never immerse me as much as a tabletop will, um, or a play by post. Uh, because well, that's because you you put so much more of yourself into the game. Correct. When it's that correct, free and that and that's why that's why though is because I am much more comfortable doing that. Whereas with like you know Skyrim, Skyrim uh, is a really good game. I really enjoy Skyrim. I love Oblivion. I love Skyrim. Uh, Elder Scrolls has done a really good job in meeting that uh, level of expectations for RPGs. But as with every video game, there is the illusion of free will. And whereas with the tabletop, you can actually go do. You can you can take a right degree turn in the middle of an adventure. You can as long as your DM isn't a jerk. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, and I mean that's where that's where again, it's more about the group than the the game. Like if your DM right. is a is a good DM and he or she is familiar with the the settings and is you know ready to roll with the punches, um, you're going to have an awesome time. Whereas with a video game. It's kind of like you don't you get it. It's basically the equivalent of getting stuck with a. It's not a bad DM, but they're uh no, we're staying in the box and we're going through this mm-hmm. campaign. Railroaders, yeah. Which again, it's they're not bad, but it's just not. When you say RPG to me, it's like I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go tabletop before I go video mm-hmm. game. Nice. All right, Rindle. What do you? What's your number three? What do you think? So. Ultimately, I am also going to be kind of delving into that same territory, kind of uh, piggybacking a bit off of what Blue was kind of describing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for number three, I'm just going to go old school and just straight up call out D&D. Um, Wait, which edition? This is important. <laughs> which? Because I know I should probably be saying third, but I actually play fifth. No, no, fifth is fine. Fifth is fine. Fifth is good. As long fourth as was weird. Yeah, as long as it's not fourth, we're good. Okay, so at least, so at least we've established that. Um, but but yeah, <laughs> I am free to remain in focused fire chat, everyone. This is a good sign. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, piggybacking off of the same ideas, it's it, what really kind of brings about that appeal. It gener- generally is uh, just that ability to be completely free form uh, when it comes to the adventure. Uh, and granted, that can lead to some pretty. Uh, bad situations, <laughs> like uh, specifically, you know. Uh, sorry. Uh, yes, the bard has sung to every single daisy in the field. Can we move on, please? Yeah, bards are <laughs> bards are fun to play when you like to troll your friends, but they're not fun to have in your party if you're not playing them. No, most certainly not. Although, um, God, somebody's druid that we had one time was just the absolute worst. Like, wanting to talk to every tree. Uh, oh, good lord. 
the tree is silent. It whispers in the wind. Actually, the funniest thing that I can recall ever... Well, this didn't happen personally, but something very close to it did. Which is where someone got a nat 20 on a perception check when there was nothing really to perceive. <laughs> that's when you just so start our, doing making up that's, stuff. That's when if you have so a good our, DM. So our, so, our DM, <laughs> so our DM just went... You are suddenly aware... You suddenly find yourself on a flat wooden surface... Surrounded what looked like large pieces of paper and giant polyhedral <laughs> dye. Oh no. Which are. <laughs> and we're just like, oh and no. And there was an identity a- crisis happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, there is Jack around here as far as anything useful. Okay, moving on. Oh my goodness. Um, but the, perhaps the most fun bit as far as. Um, aspect of D&D that I truly like playing around with, it's always fun to bring homebrew mm-hmm. in situations. Oh, yes. If you, have, if you have a DM who is okay with the idea of having a campaign where you can be in a world of steampunk, mm-hmm. because you don't really want to mess around with Cyberpunk 2020 and all its weird things about permadeath and all that, go right ahead. Be my guest. You will have a blast. Although that being said, I am very much looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077 when that releases. That, when it it releases. If it releases. We'll see. It'll release. It'll release. release. (laughs) They've got so much hype built up around it now that I'm a little worried. Just because I always get really cautious when a game is overhyped. When it's not had any proven content prior. I suppose. But, I mean, we do have at least a good team behind it. Hi, Saint. How you doing? Yes, very much so. So, my number three is also a tabletop. But, ironically, I've never sat at a table and played it. I only played well, this... Well, then. Well, yeah. Did you play over okay, Roll20? So I... It was... No, not even at Roll20. I played a very loose... Fun, fun story. I have never actually been a participant in a game of D&D or a game of any RPG for tabletop. Hmm. I've always been the DM. I've always Uh, been in charge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. The one game I played, quote unquote, was I did a basically a walking campaign. I was I challenged one of my artist friends back in college who was an art teacher major and I was a music major and we did a lot of walking and talking and he was convincing me to try out D&D or try out any gaming system. And I said I was really into the idea of psionics. Well, D&D back in the day, which was, this would have been like 3.5. <laughs> yeah, At 3. the 5. end of 3.5, you yeah. you could have done oh, it. Yeah, 3.5. Yeah, 3.5 had psionics and right. they broke. They broke the <clears> game. <throat> right, but we didn't go there. He didn't want to scare me with 3.5 because he knew how massive it was and how cumbersome it is mm-hmm. to a new player right, so right. he actually broke out some books of his for a system called GURPS yep. GURPS is amazing and GURPS is a really mm. easy game, to, it's a d20 game just yep. like D&D but it's got very simplified mechanics and stats built into it and we basically he explained what I could and couldn't do he would basically make judgment calls on whether or not I could get away with it or if my descriptions were well done essentially he was encouraging me to role play or to act out the character in my descriptions and so we did a walking campaign and i managed to break the game 
fairly early on because I was a psionic and I could basically look through walls and cheat. Mm -hmm. So it was fun though. It's it's one of my favorite little memories. But after that, it got me hooked to where I I went and searched out like D and D podcast and any sort of role playing podcasts that were going on because I love the storytelling aspect of it. So GURPS is definitely my number three. There are some also rants that are also tabletop systems, but GURPS is my primary one that I'm like, yeah, that's that's my very first one. So very nice. On to number two. Blue. Mine is Wheel of Time. Uh, Wheel of Time uh, RPG for the tabletop is hands down. It's one of my favorite magic systems that I've ever played. Um, not to mention the world itself is is fascinating. Um, it's based off the the series by Robert Jordan, and then I think Brian Sanderson ended it. Um, right? Is that the guy's name? green that you jordan no yeah the, robert jordan no robert jordan oh, brandon was, sanderson brandon, brandon sanderson okay i can never mm-hmm. remember i haven't read the last book simply because as as many people have told me that he is a good writer it's it's hard when you've had 13 it's, it's it's 12 and a half books a, that was written by jordan and then sanderson it's took a different over. voice yeah it's a different voice. It's not a bad voice. Like Sanderson does an excellent oh, yeah. job. Well, clean, and he it up, and he uh, Sanderson also spent. I think it was like the last eight months that Jordan was alive with him and his wife, learning mm-hmm. about it. So, like, I mean, I've been told multiple times that I need to finish it. At this point, I'd have to read the whole series again, though, because it's been <clears> so long. But, but the RPG that they built. Um, was also I, th- I want to say it was Wizards of the Coast um, put it out and it was again it was just uh, good memories it was really fun um, but also the magic system that was in it was just it was just it was a unique take on magic uh, as Wheel of mm-hmm. Time has but it was translated really well into a D twenty system and it was like it was and we were coming off of uh, I think we actually. Oh, no, we had just finished playing Slay at that time. Um, I was going to say, I thought we might have been coming off of Star Wars. So we were running our Star Wars campaign concurrently with our Wheel of Time campaign. Um, But, yeah, it was just so it was a nice mix to be playing side by side with a a sci-fi campaign because we also had the fantasy component going. But, yeah, it was uh, Wheel of Time and the the artwork that they put into the, um, the books for wheel of time is just it was just top-notch artwork like beautifully beautifully designed game overall artwork in a lot of those like oh, D books or just rpg D&D, books in general like, like even yes even uh, even a did yeah, even a yeah. had some i mean they had some wonky art but they had some good ones too even like mm-hmm. D Destiny, the artwork that's in that mm-hmm. one, the mm-hmm. free free one that you and I got to see when it was getting ready to be pushed mm-hmm. out as a PDF, mm-hmm. that's got some really beautiful art in there too. Yeah, I I always love like for AD and D, I love going and picking up like the uh, the equipment uh, folios. Mm-hmm. They have some really cool uh, equipment ideas in there. But also, without fail, every single one of the D and I will give D and D four E the nod like that art that art style for four fourth edition was mm-hmm. pretty good like i'm not a fan of the system that they were trying to do in fourth four, but whatever 
but like without fail, every single uh, version of D and D, their monster manuals are they just they blow me out of the water. Like the the artistic styles that are used within that within that title. They're always fun to get into, just to flip through the books when you're bored. And there's like fun little tidbits always too. All right, Rinda, mm. you're number two. My number two. See, this is the thing that can make things kind of interesting because I don't actually typically go around playing uh, role-playing video games. So I'm going to go a little old school, mm-hmm. perhaps one that's near and dear to most people's uh, hearts. Uh, certainly it was the first thing that I had uh, going out on a PlayStation back in the day. And I'm going to go with Final Fantasy VII. Nice. That's a good choice. I like that. <clears throat> and of course, it's going to be interesting seeing how they handle things with the remake. Um, that was one of the first uh, games that I can recall playing that just had this really, really expansive story that you could just really just find yourself getting lost in for hours at a time. And granted, a lot of that was, of course, going back and forth, and that was naturally the introduction to the grind that we all know and love. Oh, yes. (laughs) Or resent, depending on who you are. Uh... (laughs) The art, again, talking about art style, it's easy to get immersed. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, of course... The big thing about it was, I don't know, there was something about, because I typically don't enjoy uh, turn-based systems quite as much mm-hmm. uh, as like other more like action-oriented type things. Um, but there was something about the way that that was executed, like both in that and like in Final Fantasy VIII as well, that just made it feel just that little bit more um, tactile it made it a little bit more immersive and really epic at times uh, especially when we have stuff going on in the background with the music and everything else the art style was a radical departure in seven going into um battles when you were fighting um and that just really drew the connection a lot closer in my opinion as far as the player characters were concerned right did you fantasize, and this is, I know Blue is talking about becoming very immersed in the characters because you're acting out, but did you mm. did you have that connection with your character? Did you kind of dive into, this is my character, this is who I am in it? A little bit. Um, I think that what's kind of fascinating when we're talking about the difference between, say, um, you know, your more freeform, like tabletop style RPG, mm-hmm. when we're, you know, talking about just complete control over, you know, character interaction, you know, the way the character is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a really radical departure to think of that versus something that is preset. And yet, the way that um, characters such as um, those in this and the other RPGs that are out there um, are set up, and really just in games in general, you really have to, as a developer, do it in such a way that it's going to be something that is appealing and something that can be identified to a grand majority of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, at least, I have a feeling that that at least has something to do with the fact that, you know, th- that and, of course, many other games still hold a very, very fond place as far as, like, early memories for a lot of people. That's fair. And that's that's what we're talking about with a lot of the RPGs is the memories that it holds. Exactly. Right, right. So I'm going to shift that a little bit and do that 
my number two is actually not a long memory one for me in particular. It's one that I did play. It is a video game. It is one I played. But it's actually more of, I love that it is a game that is something that has become accessible to my wife. And she stayed up last night playing it while I went to bed. And that... This is going to be interesting. Do tell. And that is Stardew Valley. Oh! Very good choice. Right. And she's played through it. She's beat the game before. But she actually goes back and she's got this competition thing going on right now because uh, Isakul's husband has also played Stardew Valley and mentioned that he has had all captured all the fish and fishing was the weakest part of the game for her because it's a little bit more <laughs> dexterity base. And she, <laughs> oh my gosh, she is, she admitted to me tonight that she's been playing it obsessively because she wants to get back to the fall season so she can catch this one fish and beat him. And I'm like, <laughs> my wife has become a gamer because of this one game. She doesn't play anything else. She's never played video games in her entire life, but this for some reason has caught her attention and it's like you know that that makes my list for that reason because if you can capture somebody who is not a gamer at all not even like tabletop nothing like that she was an actress at one point but she's never sat down and played games like that so there's something special about it yeah i i'm gonna have to ask uh my wife on that uh end of things as well because i know that she was playing Stardew Valley mm-hmm. uh, pretty regularly, uh, not, not like uh, an exceptionally long time ago. But she, like, when she gets into something, she's like really into it. <laughs> so that'll be something to, I guess, check in on later yeah. and see. Yeah, uh, how many fish have you caught? Uh, not all of them. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. You might want to get on that. There's challenges to it, and she's on the mobile version. We had it on Xbox. I still have it on Xbox. I have it on PC. She really likes the mobile <laughs> version. It's not as extensive as the PC or even the console version, but she she likes to be able to carry it around with her, and she'll play it while she's watching TV or anything like that. And it's been a, a nice little break for her mentally, I think. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it has that level of accessibility mm-hmm. is also fantastic for that regard. Oh, yeah. Um, y- yeah, it's one of those things where I know that a lot of people do kind of bag on the idea of like mobile games or mobile ports of games. But, I mean, realistically, it, if it means that you're more able to play the game generally, I mean, ultimately, isn't that what counts? It is, and that one is... It's got an easy enough mechanic built into it where you don't need button combos. It's not like Call of Duty on a mobile. You're not having to do a lot of extra <laughs> buttons that you're that's like hovering over the screen. It's literally you use a stylus to do everything. And it works out really well for it. And I know there are people who are like, oh, Stardew Valley, blah, blah. It's like, you know, if it works for you, why not? Why Absolutely. Not? All right, Blue brings us back number ones what is your all-time favorite rpg uh, dnd <clears throat> uh hands down dnd <laughs> uh so i grew up playing a dnd and then we made the switch to d uh 3.0 and then to 3.5 and then that's when i went to college and so i kind of dropped away thankfully i didn't experience the horror that was fourth edition um and confession fourth edition was the only version i knew for a very long time because that was the edition that the critical 
hit, not Critical Role, right. Critical yeah. Hit. Critical Role podcast. does fifth edition. Um, yeah, well, they did fourth edition for a long time too. Y- yeah, but I didn't find them until after our. Well, and I and so they actually they actually were originally, if I remember correctly, they were actually originally Pathfinder, uh, which mm-hmm. there's a we did a I did a couple games in Pathfinder. Eh, I mean, isn't Pathfinder just three five? It so so, uh, so oh man, we're gonna be here for another thirty minutes. Um, so. Basically, what happens, what happened to the progression there was 3.0 was was brought in as an introduction to the D20 system for D&D from AD&D. Uh, so mm-hmm. basically, you reversed all the rules because in AD&D, you had Thacko uh, and negative modifiers, whereas in D&D 3.0, you brought, they brought in positive modifiers and the D20 system, uh, which right. in a lot of ways made it a lot simpler but it also meant that there was a lot of things that didn't translate well, uh, which is why you had a lot of game breaking in 3.0. D and D is also huge on homebrews, and so as time went on, homebrews got adopted. You had like Greyhawk, you had Dragonlance, you had all the uh, Ravenloft, all these different variations of it that got brought in and were canonized. Air quote around that. Uh, and they mm-hmm. didn't really play nice with each other, uh, which for the most part didn't really matter because they were all separate universes. But then you had like basically conjecture of spheres type things happening where things got brought into other world and it was just it got really messy, which was then 3.5 was brought. 3.5 basically was meant to streamline 3.0. And it, they also like took a lot of the things that 3.0 was using kind of behind the scenes and we're like no here's the official explanation for all of this 3.5 was around for a long while and the reason 3.5 gets looked down a lot on is because at the end it was so bloated with extra rules that it was unwieldy uh, a new player yes. there was there was an immense learning curve that if you hadn't come into 3.5 like from the beginning it was nearly impossible to pick up um and that's 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 coming from me. I completely recognize that 3.5 is a lot of people don't like 3.5 because they didn't have the history of walking into it when it wasn't the version that everyone kind of knows predominantly. Um, and that's actually where Pathfinder got its foothold. Pathfinder was a response to people who liked D&D 3.5 but were not versed extremely well in the nuances of 3.5 and so they they mm-hmm. basically stripped it down to its bare bones and said these are the base rules um they did a few other really cool things with the pathfinder society um uh they they universalized a lot it was very similar to uh i think it's forgotten realms and the greyhawk society that they did uh but pathfinder did a much better job in um in kind of they also kind of revolutionized that comic-y art type thing um, which fourth edition, God, so, and so D and D basically lost the fight. Three point five lost to Pathfinder because Pathfinder was easier to learn. Uh, you could pick up a character, you could roll a character in Pathfinder, and if you knew what you were doing, in about five minutes, like it was ridiculously easy once you got the nuances down um, to roll characters, uh, which was really cool. And then also Pathfinder made it really easy to take your character from event to event. So it was much more, it embraced that social component that D and D 
never really figured out. Um, Pathfinder made it really easy to literally take your character to events, and if you played in events, you would get experience that was universally applied, and your character was actually part of the canonical game world. So, like, you actually... Like, they would have events that would actually affect what was going on the next event in the published Mm. game. It was really a really well-done thing. Ironically, Pathfinder ran into the same problem that 3.5 did. Uh, That's where I'm remembering the mix-up. Right, because Pathfinder... It got overburdened. It it got... I mean, it's the the curse of too much success and being uh, being around too long. They had mm-hmm. so many additional homebrews, <clears throat> additional components, and additional everything that they literally they got bogged down by their own rules in the same way that D&D did. At the time that they were getting bogged down, uh, D&D had tried 4th edition, and D&D managed to hit a sweet spot with the release of 5th edition right at the time that Pathfinder kind of misstepped. And so that's why D&D then resurged back into like prominence now, because 5th edition is actually very, very similar to the ideas that were in 3rd edition. Um, they reintroduced some of the complexities that they crucified in 4th edition and threw out. Um, but they kept the, the good parts of 4th edition. 4th edition was a trial by the D&D community to make a simple game. And from a mechanic standpoint, I... I just I can't stand it because it takes a lot of power out of the creation par- process of a character. Right. Uh, whereas fifth edition, mm. if you know what you're doing, you can make really cool characters in fifth edition that are very nuanced. Or you can just be like, I want a stereotypical fighter or stereotypical monk or what, and it's right there. Like it's 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 got really the best of both worlds. Um, now that being said we'll see how it holds up because as with everything, you know, time for these, for the rules based tabletops, it seems like time is, is not a good friend as, as years go on. So, but yeah, so we'll like D and yeah, D and D beyond has changed the game quite a bit already. So they have, we'll it, it has, it has, uh, they're, <laughs> they're running into some problems with it, but it's, we'll see how mm-hmm. they handle that. Um, like yeah, it, it's D and D. Like they, Wizards of the Coast is starting to really figure out that people want to play D and D, but they also want to play it in a in a, a a way that the original creation and the original process wasn't necessarily friendly for. Um, but they don't want to sacrifice that because that is that is like also really a um a core component to the flavor that makes D and D D and D. Like that to me, that's that's one of the things. That's probably why I didn't like Fourth Edition is because they made it too simple. And I know that it was I, great for people who don't know how to walk, like to step oh, in. Yeah. And no, I no, think no. Fifth Edition is that too. Yeah, and that's it's that's just... where I think Fifth Edition they did a really good job of bringing that pendulum swing back, and and giving it being like, okay, hey, we're gonna make it easy for new joint new players, but also at the same time for those of you who have been around for you know fifteen twenty years. If you know the nuances, you can you can do some fun stuff too. And you know, and then with D and D Beyond, they're kind of furthering that. I'm waiting to see. I'm I'm actually curious if they're going to revitalize Chainmail. Um, that was horrible, horrible experiment by them way back in the day. Uh, I got some cool miniatures out of it, but it was it was like 
We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. We shall see. Rindle, number one. Ah, number one. What can I say? I never asked for this. Nice. Approved. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. So that would be, I'm going to do a twofer on this just because they kind of flow for me. And that's going to be Deus Ex, Human Revolution, and Mankind Divide. Okay. Um, uh, what can I say? Deus Ex, Um, that's a game I've I've watched more than I've played. Really? Okay. Firstly, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say, firstly, uh, silence Google. Uh, secondly, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I've always adored the cyberpunk aesthetic. Right. Uh, like in high school, I was always the guy who was like in the back reading like the uh, Takashi Kavash novels, like, uh, oh God, like Altered Carbon, things like that. So I saw like the initial stuff for Human Revolution when that was about to come mm-hmm. out. And that was immediately like... Ooh, I can get behind this. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's... But, but yeah, just a fascinating world uh, to be a part of and to see um, how society has both become better and worse for the idea of these uh, cybernetic augmentations that people are, you know, applying to themselves willy-nilly. I mean, that's, day, that's Cyberpunk 2077, too. I mean, you you kind of... Mm-hmm. That game type, that it seems like it's so far-fetched, but it's it's closer than you think as far as the reality of what augmentations are able to be accomplished now. Mm-hmm. That's also, yeah, that's I, I also mean, why st- you see such a vivid re- or a visceral response to the Detroit human. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that game was... And that's, that's a different component. That's AI component, but it's, you know... Yeah, Deuce, Deuce Ex is, like, they touched on significant political things that transcend just, you know, cybernetic enhancements. Oh, yeah. But it's, like, even beyond that, just the way that the story was constructed and the way that you're able to basically, especially the manner in which they really refined of uh, the multi-tier system mm-hmm. within Mankind Divided as far as there were way more than just like the one solution that you could use as far as getting through or accomplishing these objectives. Um, In particular, I always remember that me personally, I always loved getting to that point where I was able to use like dialogue trees and try to reason with people uh, in order to get them to do as I wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's very funny because there's this sort of... um, I would always, like I noted like very early on that this is something that was quite effective, and there's one augmentation that you can use. It's sort of a conversation enhancer. That was very often the first thing that I would go for. It just max out as far as effectiveness and anal- analysis of whoever it was I was speaking to, and there's quite a few really interesting things that you can get into with both games as far as debate and you know seeing the way that these characters are reacting uh to the different choices that you make as far as dialogue is concerned is it charm i'm trying to think of like the D equivalent or even the diplomacy like the skyrim a little bit, it's a little it's kind of diplomacy okay. like it's a little bit of charm like occasionally you have a little bit of the intimidation factor yeah it's, well. it's like a it's uh, charisma it's, basically it, it, there we go. That's the word. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of describing it. It's sort of like a built-in charisma stat. Oh, charisma stats. I... 
again, we were talking about a bard earlier <laughs> singing to all the daisies. That's all I can think of with that. I and now I have toss a coin to your witcher flowing through my head again. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, you need a nap. Which, that, oh my gosh! All the all those different variations that are coming out with that. My number one, I am going to shift gears a third time, and I'm going to go to a game that I do not own. I am not allowed to own it in the form that it's supposed to be played in, and it is a board game. Mm. And it is my favorite board game of all time. It is a Baldur's Gate board game <laughs> called Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> We've had this conversation. Mm. Oh, we have had this conversation. It's so good. It's such a good board game. And you play as basically the, not necessarily the mafia, you're playing as the lords and ladies of Waterdeep. And you're making deals and you're gathering army pieces and priests and you're like thieves, depending on who you are. And it's very much so you can get really into who your character is but you're also not revealing who your character is. So there's a little bit of deception that you get to play with as well, because if you get certain cards with your character, you get bonus points and it's fun to uh, min max, which is why I'm not allowed to play it with Julie. <laughs> I have it on my phone. That is the one way I can play it. It's just, I don't own the game and I really would love to play with a bunch of people who can enjoy that kind of gameplay because it is very much so a thinker's game, kind of like chess. You have to make plays kind of like risk and you, there's a lot of risk involved with it and it's a lot of fun. Not so much heavy on the acting and role playing, more mechanics heavy, but still my favorite game of all time when it comes to like an RPG game. Nice. Yes. All right. So at the end of every top three, I, I kind of throw it out in case you had others that almost made your list that may be a good thing to throw in. Doesn't have to be a huge long explanation, just maybe something that you were like, hey, this almost made it. We call it also rans. So do you guys have any also rans for this episode? Yes. Go for it, Blue. Blue? <laughs> oh, man. Um. So these are all going to... I was about to say, if you say and, Scott, No, actually, these are all tabletops, too. <laughs> uh, so first off the top of my head is Slay Industries. Uh, it's an amazing, I believe it was Moon Industries, uh, way back in the day, published it. It's very, very fun. I think it was a D6 system. Uh, it was an independent publisher at the time. Uh, really, really fun. Um, the other ones would be pretty much any of the old White Wolf RPGs. Uh, those were D8 games, uh, and mm -hmm. that was like Werewolf the Apocalypse, Hunter, uh, Mage the Ascension, Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, really great games, uh, especially if you, again, especially if you had a group that was really comfortable with Freeform Theater, uh, you could get into some really cool uh, stories without those. Uh, they also created a game called Exalted that was really fun when it mm -hmm. first came out. Superheroes. Yeah, it was basically medieval superheroes. It was a really fun game. Um, and then on, more on like the D20 slash D&D side, you had Greyhawk, you had Forgotten Realms. Um, you had Green mentioned GURPS. That's definitely up there. GURPS, we always use GURPS for more of the modern versions uh, and yeah. sci-fi versions. You can versions. have handguns and GURPS. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but then Ravenloft was a if you if you want to punish yourself, play Ravenloft. Uh, but then also a really good one. I I know uh, Tricon, you had mentioned uh, Cyberpunk, uh, Shadow right. Run. Shadow Run as a tabletop game mm. was it was like the punishment of Ravenloft with the fun of D and D. Because, Ravenloft was rude. Uh yeah, that was, was the just, that was the point all, of Ravenloft was, it, it you, was don't so win. you don't win. You don't win. It's such a politic heavy game. The such main, a politic heavy game. The main character that you're it, it, it's 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 how it's how who could be the who could yeah. lose the oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The main character you're playing against is Dracula in a D&D version and it was just you're just gonna die. <laughs> like it's just a matter of how long can you live. Um, Mm -hmm. my favorite game of Ravenloft literally lasted 10 minutes. We got done rolling our characters. And when you, (laughs) when you start with Ravenloft, you basically, you get teleported into the the world Ravenloft, which is basically Dracula's Mm -hmm. personal uh, realm. And so you have to roll a dice to determine where you land. We rolled a dice and we landed in Dracula's uh, throne room with him there. And so like literally our entire party pops in and looks up and he's sitting on the throne and we're just like, huh. And it was like, all right, well, we're going to go roll characters again. So that was nice seeing those yeah. characters there for all of like five minutes. It's like, I'm sure that was fun. The, D- the DM was that. like, oh. the DM was like, oh. do you want to? And like, no, no, we're not going to, we're not even, no, no, negative. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can, can I, can I just, can I just say my personal headcanon of that situation is that, <laughs> Dracula was just hanging in his throne realm, just lying down on a chaise lounge with a glass of blood and a wine glass. It's, it's not far from what it was. And just saying, welcome to my yeah. chamber. It was like, all right, hey, we're done. Oh, goodness. But no, yeah. Well, Rindle, do you have any also rants for your list? Well, you know, there was one um, that I actually didn't think about until just now, mm-hmm. as so often is the case when you're talking about uh, also rans. Um, again, this is one where, of course, it made the rounds. I too was bitten by the bug, and I had to have it. Um, and of course, this is one of those ones where, for me, it's a nice little uh, story, just based on the fact that, like, so many of my friends, my wife, of course, got into it. Her friend, who, again, similar to Julie, has never played a game in her life, mm-hmm. got into this. That was Undertale. Oh, yes, Undertale. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, like, I, I am this far, this close, I should say, <laughs> to just breaking out and just doing one of those instances of papyrus. <laughs> You will get sucked in, just saying. You will get <laughs> It's a really well well developed series of hooks, I think. Is Undertale the one that's the pacifist game? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which of course you can of course kill everyone if you want to, but the main tag but, is uh, yeah. uh that it's the RPG where no one has and to And that's die. actually how you are supposed to win, if I remember correctly. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's not necessarily... A lot of people postulate the pacifist ending as being the like true ending of the game. But that being said, there are many ways of going about it. There's, um, of course, the, tr- the genocide run, which if you're like me and you did the pacifist run the first time, 
doing a genocide run immediately afterward is heartbreaking. <laughs> because you're seeing all these characters that you've just fallen in love with, and you're just killing every single one of them. Just, oh. I tried to do a genocide run on a dare. I got to Papyrus, and I, I just couldn't. It reminds me of Fabled, or Fable, I think is what it was, like the video game Fable. You could either play more pacifist, or you could mm-hmm, play mm-hmm. totally evil. So my also-rans are going to be more of the ones that I think everybody's expecting to hear. The Dragon Age, the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> I sunk so many hours into Elder Scrolls. I put quite a few in Dragon Age, too, but Elder Scrolls was really where I got hooked. But I do have an also-rand that is a really easy entry-level tabletop version that's good for students and it is based off of kind of a d6 version but it's not really d6 it's kind of d6 but it's really not because you have to have special dice and it's the fate system Mm. and the fate system so 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 is it a d6 dresden yes that's the dresden yeah the dresden series uses fate so basically what it is is you have a d6 that has pluses and minuses on it and there's it's black and white you have a role of availability that if you're rolling multiple die but you're really just getting pluses and minuses to whatever your role is or whatever your stat is Mm. so it's a really basic you don't need a ton of math everything's going to be basically under 10 as far as your rolling of uh additions and everything so it's great for young kiddos if they want to start doing that kind of thing and you get them involved in role-playing. Another really great, um, it's not really a system, it's a game that introduces role-playing in general. is called Once Upon a Time, and it is a card game that gives you prompts, and you have to do a cooperative story, and you have to get to your ending card. So you're telling this cooperative story and competing with these other people that are in your group to end on the card that you have. And you have other like attributes like a well or a magic ring or um, just different characters that come up. So you're telling the story with slight prompts and having to manipulate essentially how the story goes until it gets to where your ending card is. Also another really fun game. I played it with junior high kids. Not too bad. Ah. Not too bad. But... Those are our top threes this week. It's kind of a kind of a nice one, a little bit of a break from our video games normally, but some different games thrown in there. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining us as always for top three. And remember, everybody loves a list.